Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Please make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. All right, let's get into it. Bang, there we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with Chase Hill, the the fantastic Chase Hill. Uh, If you haven't heard of Chase Hill, he's got his own fantastic podcast and Chase talks hip hop uh, and he literally talks hip hop. So you can tell already while we get along. Um, And we also recently did a podcast together where I feature on his podcast um, as well. So you can catch almost part one of our chat on that as well um i to be honest i haven't listened to it because i struggle to listen to my own voice uh more than i already have to for my own podcast but man it's great to have you on the show uh it looks like it's sunny where you are thank you brother yeah i'm uh, out here in los angeles my friend and uh at, at least to what i know about australia i know that you guys have uh, some beautiful sunshine as well as well as really nice beaches and stuff so you know not too far off i'm actually originally from like Oregon which is cold rainy climate so I'm uh, I'm trying my best to get used to it and stuff but you know like I said it's a work in progress it's, it's always pretty warm out here especially in the summer yeah man look Melbourne is not known for its beaches I'm not gonna lie like you got to travel closer like a little bit north to get good beaches it's like as you can see I'm wearing a hoodie but um yeah it gets pretty cold down here but if you want to get some real sun i reckon go to the gold coast that's where i get real lobsterish like sunburn is guaranteed when i go oh dude yeah no like that's the thing like being out here uh taking in more sun i, I gotta say like being like because where i'm from like beaches you know what i mean because you're from melbourne you, you're saying that the like you don't have a like super nice golden coast beaches around that area where I'm from originally Oregon, like the water is so cold. It's always like cloudy and stuff. <laughs> so it's like, you really like, you're testing yourself getting in the water alone. Out here in Los Angeles, you know, you can swim. I see people out here swimming in the ocean, like their body temperatures. All right. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. To be honest though, I'm not sure how I would survive in just sunny all the time. Like Melbourne is known for having like four seasons in a day. Like you'll always, it'll be sunny one second, raining the next. You never know. It's like the most tem- temperamental place in the world. But like, I hear that LA is always hot, always sunny. Like I reckon I just get so over it. Like I prefer cold weather. That's me personally. <laughs> yeah. Like it's definitely been a toss up because when I first got here in December, like for a few months, there would be moments where there would be a, there would be rain clouds. It, it would switch up. But for the most part, it's been really nice. And that's like something I can't like, can't, I'm really grateful for it. Like I fuck with it. Cause you know, like I said, like cloudiness and shit, it can really affect your mood when it's like, it's just always cloudy. And where I'm from, it's like, if we're lucky. We're going to have a good summer with some sunshine if we're lucky, you know? So I really am lucky to take it in. And plus like, the, like being in Los Angeles, you know, um, it's a, it does like offer more opportunity as far as like music and artistry. Um, Salem, Oregon, you know, it's more of like an industrial type of a like blue collar town and everything. And just to be out of that a little bit is nice, you know, and I, and I, you know, it's still my home and everything. I, I love my family, but um, it's, it's a different mindset entirely. It's very different. So how did you find moving to LA? I can like, just based on the way you're describing it, it sounds like a big jump. 
Uh, well, for me, like it's something that me and my girlfriend, we talked about for a long time. She's very supportive. Shout out to my girlfriend, Sky Robinson. And uh, she, she's just so supportive. And uh, we um, talked about it for a long time because she's originally from here and we met in uh, Oregon. And we always just, you know, we ping pong this idea, but the time came and we just wanted, we just wanted to do it. So uh, like to make a long story short, we came up uh, last December. So we've been down here roughly like seven months, I, I want to say. Uh, well, it's still, yeah, like so seven months. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a good experience. It's been a change of pace and it's been a really awesome transition for me. I've gotten a lot done. I've made a lot of beats. I've, uh, I've got a project. I have a project recorded I've been working on since I wrapped on my last album. So I, I, I've been really just doing my best to, to stay busy and just, uh, just stay active on things and, uh, you know, at least, and be attentive to the podcast. You know, I just got back to being more attentive to it. So there's a lot of elements and stuff, but uh, I, I'm appreciative of that. You know, just being down here has just definitely felt like a huge change. Well, I was going to ask because, like, how is the, the rap scene in Oregon? Because LA is obviously a mecca for hip hop. Like, everybody knows that LA is where some of the biggest artists have come from. But did you feel instantaneously as soon as you moved that it just shifted everything in terms of your hip hop journey? Um, I, I feel like it definitely did. It's it's a different thing because yeah, like I performed in Portland a couple of times. I think Portland is definitely like the, the best place it, uh, for uh, being a hip hop artist in Oregon or the Pacific Northwest. I know Seattle would argue against that. Seattle has some great artists. I know they got Little Mosey, Macklemore, you know, they have a lot of great artists, but I think Portland, you know, um, we, we have had a few emerging stars like Amine, who is a, you know, he's blown the hell up. You know, he's working with J.I.D. He's he's doing super well for himself. And it, and I really like Amine. Shout out to him. I think it's really inspirational what he's been able to do being a cat from Portland. And like, it's definitely like, like he is like one of the only guys I, I've seen from Portland really make it on that level. And then Aesop Rock, Aesop Rock, debatably one of the greatest lyricists. He, he's out there too. I think he's originally from there. So you know, it's pretty crazy, um, the, 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 the talent pool. I've met so many awesome artists, actually. And um, there, there's a lot of talent. But the only thing is, I feel like the, the culture of the city uh, doesn't always support uh, its hip-hop artists. And when I say that, I mean more so just regulations, like police. Like, for instance, in Portland, hip-hop shows are going to be broken up so fast. Like, they, they're a lot they're very discriminatory. It's just a different thing entirely. It's not, it's not as welcoming, you know, towards so why the artist. So why is that? Like, what do you think it is that makes the, the culture of the city or just the idea of hip hop so kind of frowned upon, it sounds like? I think it's uh, the conservative nature of Oregon. Oregon is originally a very, it still is it's just a, but it started off especially with a lot of conservative ideas and values and i think that when i and when i say culture i need to like take that back i think that the hip-hop culture the crowd in portland is fucking awesome there are great awesome people uh like bossic awesome videographers djs uh shout to dj Fatboy, artists uh mubarak like just just so many people i can name off like just from the top of my head so there are awesome people who support it there are awesome venues and showcases. The only thing is, I just feel like the city as in itself, like as in like the politics of it, the politics of the city, it's very conservative. 
and they really they frown upon like like gatherings, big gatherings of uh, I would say minorities and shit. So I think like that is a huge piece of it. Like I think that that's uh, like it's 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 you know like they target and profile uh, minorities. And they do target hip hop shows kind of like, oh, like it's a signal to go do so. And I think that's the thing. And I, and I, mean, I got a lot of love for Oregon as far as music and Portland as well. You know, even the Eugene scene, there's a lot of dope artists. But I do think that that as far as the state of Oregon, I do feel like it does have this big conservative umbrella versus here in Los Angeles. You know, <clears throat> there's going to be like hoops and shit to jump through but because there is more industry. There is more. There's a lot more going on, but at the same time, I think that everyone can eat and that it isn't as scarce and it doesn't feel at least it is competitive. But to me, I think that there's a lot more uh, difference. There are a lot more subgenres as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because like, I mean, I'm not really in the underground hip hop scene myself. Like I don't go to underground shows or anything like that, but I can imagine like that is part of the journey of being a hip hop artist. If you can't go to those shows, if you can't perform and if you're just trying to, to make your way and then obviously all your shows get broken up, it's hard to build a name. So, um, I mean, the good thing is these days, obviously you've got social media as the backup. Like I think it's the easiest time to get your name out there uh, in terms of as an artist, because purely you've got so many platforms like, yeah, you've got a lot of, people who are doing the same but if you're any good you can actually start to to make some positive noise and that's what we've seen across the board especially during covid yeah no i i entirely agree with you i think that there is so much room for growth and improvement in this time period i think covid i i honestly gotta say i think covid was a good time for me i feel like i had a lot of exponential growth musically i was really able to hone in on my album uh, heart into the soil i feel like i hit this uh, sweet spot even though there was you know of course struggle there was a lot of shit going on i do think that when you have time to ruminate as an artist no matter what no matter <clears throat> excuse me no matter what you always can uh, come out on top that's just how i feel you can come out on top through writing producing doing something and just channeling that creative energy because I, I feel like I, I had pieces of my album done but when that time came around covid i uh, i really just dialed in and then i i just started going bing 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 and i was recording some of my favorite tracks on the album and i felt like i was hitting these uh you know just these creative sweet spots um, I, I and I think you made a, a great point about just trying to grow and develop and feeling like, you know, especially where I'm from, Salem, like Salem, I, I <laughs> Salem is interesting. Like if, if anyone is watching this and you're from Salem, Oregon, you might have seen me like rapping outside street performing with a beatbox. I would actually street perform in Salem and Portland. And the difference was, you know, Portland, there were a lot more people and people would, would kind of, you know, people would be supportive. Salem, I remember performing there and it's like, it's, it's just a different energy entirely because it's not a, a hip hop crowd at all. Very conservative, a lot of white folks. So I was really dropping raps out here, out in Salem, like with a, a boom box. And I think the good thing is, I, I feel like an underrated thing that rappers should try more often is street performing. I think, I think that shit right there, like if you want to improve as a performer, performing on the street, getting whatever equipment you need, or it's a dude hitting a bucket, whatever you need to do. Like if you can draw a crowd like that, then I think performing in a venue where people pay for your shit, it, it just becomes so much 
easier psychologically, you know, because again, like it builds up your skin. Like not everyone was trying to listen to my shit. And honestly, I get it. I didn't have, I don't think I was that good looking back at it. Now it's different. So I think so much growth just comes from putting yourself out there, as you say, you know, just, just getting out there. Yeah. I mean, I look at artists like Harry Mack to me is like the iconic one of like, he built his whole name on doing freestyles out on the streets, you know, having, you know, his iPhone or his iPod or whatever hooked up and he just put on any generic beat and then he just rap with people around him. And now you look at his career and he's a recognizable name and he's got a YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. He's probably not what I would call a classic hip hop artist, but you can see that the growth was there from purely going out and just testing himself on the streets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Harry Mack. I've seen that guy do like, he does, he did like something like an eight hour freestyle, like, whew, like just like the sound of doing like, geez, like that, that dude, I respect to him. Cause if you're willing to rap for eight hours, you're badass. Like, cause that shit, like it's tiring. <laughs> the crazy me, thing is like, I've never it. understood. He thinks so quickly. Like he just, he just uses the word so well. And then you can see, and like, I'm sure when you listen to him, you can see the run up. I'm like, oh shit, I saw how you set that word up for yourself. Like I could see the pathway, but like just having that ability to go, all right, I know I'm going to, how I'm going to transition is unbelievable. Like that is the true freestyle of literally not planning and just letting it flow off the top. Yeah. And the thing is like, yeah, with people like Harry Mack, like um, a bunch of great freestylers, even a King Lowe's like, a lot of like these guys, I think a lot of it, um, uh, even Eminem, Eminem is great at freestyling as well. From what I know, this is like something I, I've tried to put into, I've put into practice a lot is opening up the dictionary and just going through it, just writing a bunch of words and then maybe going back, looking at the definition, et cetera, et cetera. But I remember there was a time where I, I was, I was setting a goal of writing like 50 to 100 words a day, just different words. And I think that Harry Mack and King Lois might have a similar formula. I think, I think to a degree, you kind of have to because what you're doing is you're, you're putting ammunition in a weapon right there. Like the more you have to drop or even reading, just reading, watching movies, living life. I think like the more like you live and develop and shit and you continue rapping, like it, it kind of just becomes easier. It, it becomes almost like talking, like freestyling can get to a point where it's, it's like, oh, I'm just like talking you know, and, and stuff. And I, I, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at freestyling, you know, and I think the people who can do like those endurance freestyles are amazing. Like I think Chitty from Chitty Bang uh, even did this, uh, he, he did a world record freestyle or something like that. He did a crazy world record freestyle. So like respect to, to anybody who is willing to rap over an hour straight like that shit is difficult so much respect like that's where i stand about it and freestyling is a beautiful art form and i i I never want freestyling to stop i really think that if it goes away like that's like the death of some shit i think that the challenge is that like freestyling in a skill set is so impressive but you can never get the same results when you sit down pen and pad and you actually work on the the bars like i look at just some some crazy artists in terms of lyrical miracle artists like big pun like you said eminem they they both to me are just stand out i look at big l as those people who like i it you know even 
Sahai the Prince to me. He just feels his bars. Elzai, you know, just these rappers who just feel their bars with content, with rhyme schemes, with punchlines, all this kind of stuff. You can't replicate that with a freestyle. It's just when you can actually spit off the top, it's a good skill set to have. It's like for us when we speak, like it's good to be able to just uh, go and just speak without having to plan anything. But if we had like had sheets in front of us about going like, you know, uh, okay, topic one, tick. Okay, now I'm going to ask you my second question. It wouldn't be the same. Exactly. It's fluidity. I, I think freestyling will teach you about fluidity. And I think writing will teach you about punctuality. I think that, you know, you know, you, you hit the, the nail on the head. Like, I think that the writing aspect, by God, is so fucking important. It's the most important thing because it all feeds into each other. If you freestyle, you'll become a better writer. And if you write, you become a better freestyler. And I think writing down, write specifically, yeah, like whether you're writing it in the phone, whether you're writing it on a pen and pad, I personally, I do both. I'll, I'll just, if I'm inspired, I'll just write on my phone. But when I really like am kind of just trying to, to, to ruminate and write some shit, I break out the pen and the pad and I just sit down. I like to sit with the beat really think about it maybe i'll edit it i'll edit it through you know like record something it, it really is like the process it's always a feeling out process for me you know i always want to feel it out um whether i'm just gonna make this uh, a certain track about just rapping about rapping or i'm gonna like rap about something important like i, I really want to like map some things out but then there are some songs i swear they just kind of write themselves they hit you you just grab the pen you start typing and it just write, it writes itself. And like, sometimes that does happen. And I think that's like, I don't know, I feel like it's like a luck of the draw type of thing at points, like where I always don't feel like I wrote it. I feel like that's, a, that's like some spiritual shit happening. I feel like I'm tapping into something, you know, and like, that's how certain things happen. Well, I've never had that experience of I'm writing a hip hop song and, and it comes to me. So uh, I think, I think that's, only you, my friend, but I was going to ask you because we've <laughs> spoken about like writing, but like, how do you define yourself? Because obviously you've got the podcast. We've spoken about your hip hop journey. How do you define like who you are, what you do? If I was to ask you, like, what do you do? What's the answer to that question? I would say that I am a hip hop artist. First and foremost, I do believe I, I am a rapper. Uh, I, I stand on that. But it, it's tough. Like, uh, I do, I see myself as an artist as well as uh, as sort of a commentator, a personality. But I, I think the podcast, it's weird because when I started doing the podcast, I, I always stand by this. It's not even about me. Like, because if I really wanted to make it that way, it would be super, it would be a super self-promotional tool. And I do promote on it. Of course, I'm going to promote my own shit. But I, I don't know. I feel like if I'm going to define myself, I would... uh. I would say that I am I am a, I'm a musician. I am a hip hop artist. I'm a writer. I, I'm a producer. I, I produce for people too. I've been making beats for certain artists. Shout out to my man Blue August. Um, I know I got some joints on his tape. Um, you know, I I believe I'm kind of a, a jack of all trades in certain areas. But I, at the end of the day, I specialize in in rapping and and making beats. I feel I feel like that's where I stand. I'm an artist because. I've been making music, I want to say, for a little bit over a decade more. And I've only been podcasting for like maybe like four years. So I, I think 
it, it's tough because I still feel like I'm, I'm young in my podcasting life. Like as far as everything going, like comparatively to like, you know, the Joe Rogans, the, the Joe Buttons, et cetera, the Joes, like, I, I think like I'm still in an adolescent stage as far as the podcast, whereas it, with the music, I've been doing it so long. I feel like I, I self-identify as an artist a lot more. And then I think it takes some weight off of me with the podcast because at the end of the day, I don't feel like I'm like, I'm trying to, oh, you know, I don't, it, it does, I don't know. I don't know how, if I'm explaining it correctly, but it does take the, the pressure off uh, of the podcast and it makes it a lot easier to do because I think it just, it, it really humbles me and it just makes me a lot more um, self-reflective, but at the same time, just just in this Zen area, whether I'm interviewing people, just doing a solo show, whatever it may be. But uh, first and foremost, I'm always going to identify as a hip hop artist, um, you know, for sure, as a rapper, definitely. You know what I mean? And of course, it's tough, you know, because I produce a lot of my own music. So it, it, it is a bunch of shit, you know, and like then there's that other half of me like there's like I don't I don't, I don't know if I know how to define myself. You know, I think that's the thing. Like, I think in this world, like whenever you try to do do some things different and get outside the box, you might run the risk of confusing people. And honestly, at the end of the day, if I I I um if I confuse people, I kind of fuck, I fuck with it, because if you listen to my podcast and you're like, wow, I like what this guy is talking about. And then you stumble across my music and you like that, then that's a win at the end of the day. But if you like my music and you don't listen to my podcast, I'm cool with that, too. It, it really, at the end of the day, it's it's whatever shakes anyone's tree. You know what I mean? I, I think, you know, you can do a lot in this life. I feel like talking on the mic is is a little bit is a lot easier than having to rap at points, you know. So at, at points, like it's, it's definitely like tough to, to compose music and prepare it for judgment by the world. But I, I do think that I am a hip hop artist. Well, it's definitely easier for me to talk on the mic rather than to put, to perform. So uh, I can definitely understand that. Dude, you are that. performing, dude. I think what you're doing is is awesome, though. Like because like you you're streaming this. Like you understand, this is my first stream. This is historical. I've never streamed anything, bro. I've never had a stream. You're my, you're actually like one of my first interviews too. I've only had one other uh, podcast with someone else. So like, again, like this is like very new to me as well, being on a stream. So I do think that what you do, there's an art form to it. Cause I'm not good. Like if I, I am going to have to hire people to set up a stream. Like I am not good at setting that stuff up myself. Like what you're doing is an art form too. I think it very much is well, like, it's all an art form, you know? I appreciate it, man. But honestly, just Google. That's all it is. If anyone thinks I have some technical knowledge about how microphones, about setting any of this up, you are very much mistaken. I literally just Google everything and hope for the best. That's that's my strategy. So now it's it was surprisingly easier than I thought it would be. Uh, I, like, if you think I haven't made mistakes doing all this, uh, trust me, I've made many, many, many mistakes doing this and I will continue to make mistakes. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to me and it's weird for me to hear like you say, oh, you're doing such a good job and you've been podcasting for four years and I only started during COVID. Like it, I, like this, like my 50th But you got to start somewhere, right? Yet. Yeah. But you, you got to start somewhere. It's like, you know, I, I think it's weird I, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, um, I'll compare it to jujitsu. I think it's like when, you know, someone who starts doing them or even like less anything, like if you want to start doing a martial art, you want to start uh, learning how to, you know, work on boats or whatever it may be. I think like 
I'm not, I, again, I'm a novice. I feel like I'm like a blue belt at podcasting and stuff. And I, and I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm so great at it yet. Like I, I really feel like, you know, it's always a work on pro, work in progress. And personally, I think you just got to start somewhere. And like, dude, you're like, again, like we actually, in our last conversation, uh, people can go peep it out, uh, peep it out after this. Um, when we talked about most people not even getting past their first 10 shows, like you've made it to like your, your damn near your 60th, 70th podcast. Like you're, you're busting your ass. And I, again, like, I think it, it's, it's, um, it's just about starting really, because at the end of the day, like there, re- there isn't much of an ending, like we're going to do what we're going to do and we're going to keep pushing and striving. And, um, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I, I really do think like, like, again, I learned from other people's podcasts, even from maybe people I don't like, I might like look at their podcast and say, Oh, I think that they, that they do great, you know, X, Y, and Z a good editing. Maybe they have good intros, like, or, you know, they're good at tackling certain subjects. Like, you know, I, 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 I love what you do because you're really good at, at interviewing people and talking to people. And the more you do this, man, again, like you're just racking up more gold coins at the end of the day, the more you do this stuff. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's weird because like interviewing people is not the easiest thing ever. Like there are definitely conversations that I've had where like, I personally am not a fan of the conversation, like whether or not the fans like it or not, that's a completely different question, but there's like, you know, that critic of like, I reckon I could have had a better conversation or I reckon I could have asked this question better. or I reckon I could have listened better. Like all these things are just always going through my mind, especially when I listen back and I'm like, all right, that gap was way too long or that question didn't really align with what they were saying. So you needed to focus in more. You could have asked a better question. All these things are like getting better at interviewing people and talking to people. And like you said, you just got to start somewhere and, and it, it is a challenge, but you got to just like trust that whatever will come out will be okay. Like it may not be the best, but it'll be enough. Well, yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, I think intention is everything, man. Like as long as your attention, I mean, intention is good. As long as you have good intention, I think that that does most of the work. Like if you were to like, it's like, if you were to go into every podcast, like, oh, I want to expose some, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to try to get clickbait. I'm going to do this with that. I'm going to try to get clickbait. And, and, you know, like, and you, and you could, but like, you don't because you're, you're, you have integrity it's an integrity you uphold. So it's like people, I see that integrity, like the, everyone else sees it. So it's like, as long as you just maintain that, like that's most of it, like really at the end of the day, that is definitely most of it because with any like business or service, like when you're providing like this podcast to people, like the more uh, integrity you bring, I think the more growth you're going to have. Like, that's why it's, you know, like no matter what, you just got to be yourself, man. Like you're doing, you're doing great. Like I really got to say you're doing awesome because it's a lot of, you know, again, like you, I've seen interviews on YouTube, uh, radio interviews, podcast interviews, and I've seen a lot of great ones, but then I see some where like the host kind of has an agenda and they want to push an idea or something like that. And they have a lot of like leaning questions, but I notice again, like this is an open format, you know, I can say what I want. You can say what you want. And, and that's why I like this shit. Like it's, it should never, ever feel like a constrained thing. I think I signed up to come on this, you know, I want to bring like the best, version of myself i want to bring like the most kind of like entertaining version of myself so you know I'm, I'm i'm just happy to be here you know and i'm happy to have you on but yeah i think i think it's very different like i've never liked those interviews or that style where it's like i'm gonna try and find the dirt or i'm gonna try and you know get some get some 
some shit about you out there and get you to make a mistake about something you say, like literally that is a pointless conversation. That's not a conversation in my book. So um, like there's like little value in that. Whereas, and also if I did that to you, would you come back on the podcast? Like you honestly would never come back. Like- I might though. Like I, I, I probably wouldn't, <laughs> but I might because I'm like, you know, like, fuck it. Like, because I, I might be like, well, fuck it. I like a challenge, you know, but, uh, you know, like for me, like, nah, I probably wouldn't, but it's, it really is, you know, like, it, again, though, like, like that's like the opposite of what you are, thankfully. Like, cause I mean, I, I've listened to your show. We, we've had some genuine, we've had a genuine conversation already. You know, this, this is like a lot more, I feel like us even having the last podcast, this feels a lot more uh, at ease and everything. I feel like we're a lot more comfortable, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's building like a a social relationship, like podcasting. It's when like, you're just, when you're starting a damn near two hour conversation, it's, you know, you're going to be like learning about each other. I think that's what it really is. We're learning about each other. And the more like you do this podcast and we talk to each other, I feel like we're going to learn. And that's what it is. I think that this whole experience of life is. Looks like my man, Chase, you cut out in the middle. Bang, Chase Hill is coming back. Uh, I managed to to fill fill the gap. He's changed scenery. He's outside now. So uh, look at that. That almost was somewhat professional, Chase. Yeah, no, it looks way more professional. See, Let's see, I, I can learn. <laughs> I, I learned from my mistake. Yeah, and it's not as warm and shit, so it won't look as sweaty and stuff. So uh, yeah, yeah, you look like you were getting hotter. And and sweatier with every second in there. Like I can, yeah. It's like a sauna. I, I know what it's like. I was, in a sauna. In, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely in a sauna. This is what I mean. Like this is why I, I'm getting my uh, my uh, studio set up fairly soon. Like I know it's like when I say soon, it's it's like a month away. But it's it's one of these things where like you know, like again, I've been doing this kind of shit on the fly for a minute, so it is what it is. But um, yeah, man, where were we at? I don't know. We were just talking uh, about podcasting in general and just yeah just going for it and uh just having like an open forum like and and part of the part of the point from from my perspective is like i've had conversations where the start of the conversation is like a little bit tense you know we're feeling each other out like i don't think you and i've really had that but there's a couple of podcasts where like they don't know who i am yet and i don't know who they are yet and they feel it out and then towards like the halfway mark you can feel the energy shift and it's like, okay, now I feel comfortable. I've figured out that this podcast is not going to be a trap. It's literally just let's talk and let's see what happens. Yeah. And, and it makes you kind of privy to like, what did like they go through prior to make them like kind of be on guard, you know, because it doesn't come from a prior experience or did they go and watch YouTube and like, they just, they see certain people do certain things and then they assume everyone will do that. Like that, that is a weird thing. And I've definitely had shows where um, early on when I was doing, I know there was like a patch of podcasts I did, but there were a couple of artists I did talk to in that time. And uh, some, of, some of them were very easy to talk to. Like it would be like nothing to talk to them, like easy. And then there would be um, certain people. I feel like their egos were kind of at the wheel. And, um, and maybe it was just a couple of people, but it, it definitely was a learning experience because I didn't have a good time on them and I felt like everything, like, like they didn't really bring any personality either. It was like, okay, like you just want me to do all the heavy lifting of bringing the charisma and shit. And 
you know, they didn't really bring much to the table. And I think like, that's like where like the ego fucks you up, like the most, like where you think, oh, well, I'll just answer everything in like two, in like one sentence. No, that's my answer. One sentence. And I'm too, okay. Like, well, shit, like you got any more to say? Like, I, I don't have a lot of questions. This is like a conversation, you know, I'm not, I'm not like one of those people who are like, oh, and this and that, you know, oh, and this, you know, like that's, that's not my style, you know? So, um, but, but I've had a lot of awesome conversations. I feel like the, the great conversations on my podcast outweigh the couple of like, and ones I've had, and they weren't bad. They were just, and, you know, so it's, I, I feel like everything has been like a humbling learning experience, you know, and, and it really, um, I feel like I've, I've been able to forge a lot of awesome connections with really cool artists, like uh, shout out to Ron Solemn, Justin Pines, uh, Tito Beats, um, shout out, you know, shout out to a whole, like a whole lot of people. I'm very thankful to have worked with, you know, people, uh, I've had on the podcast and they're, they're so, I don't know, they're just so open and I'm just very thankful for that. I've been able to forge a lot of awesome relationships, you know, uh, I've been able to like, you know, forge a relationship with you. So it's, it's, it's opened so many more doors for me, like just being able to talk to people and just like put the ego aside, like, because at the end of the day, I don't feel like I'm really. I don't know. I don't feel like ever insecure about my rapping. I never, I've never felt insecure about my rapping, especially at this point. I feel incredibly confident, you know, maybe a few years ago, that would have been a different, I would have had a different answer for you. But I, I think for me, like, I think anyone, every, everyone has a place here. So I, I just want to have fun, you know, really, I'm just trying to make this a fun experience because I, I, I don't want to like have ego, like derail this shit. Cause I, I think a lot of people do let ego derail their whole shit. You know what I mean? I think that's, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's all love at the end of the day. I want everyone, I want everyone to win. I want everyone to get the W. So that's where I stand. So, <laughs> well, I think that's a, it's a really good uh, kind of viewpoint to have is everyone get the win. And I think when you're younger, you think that because other people are winning, you have to beat them so that you can win as well. But you realize that you can all win together. Like there's so much room. I think that's like a, a misconception when you're coming up that because someone is doing well, they're almost doing well. And that means you can't do well, but in reality, you can do well as well. You just have to find your own lane. You have to find your own market. Like if your podcast does well, that doesn't mean my podcast doesn't do well as well. If anything, your podcast does well, then it's more likely that my podcast will do well because it's a bring up in the genre. So you want other people to do well. It's like that uh, you lift everybody like, you know, if someone was like, even, and we, we spoke about Joe Rogan, but for Joe, like if Joe didn't get that deal, it doesn't help podcasting. He gets that deal. It helps everyone in the industry because it's like, this is what podcasting is worth. Like he got that 150 million Spotify deal or it's speculated between hundred and 200 million. We'll say speculated because otherwise, uh, we'll get in trouble but um yeah between 100 200 mil mil spotify deal that helps everybody because now people are like all right well let's say joe's the best podcast again there are people like mark Marin who who've got podcasts and obviously there are so many out there but let's say it's the best it means that the tier below can start to make legitimate money and so on and so forth it shows you a career path rather than just like oh it's a dead end yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, I, I would even compare it to like Twitch. It's it, 20 years ago, if you were to go and walk up to some Midwestern mother and say, hey, uh, one day your kid could be a millionaire from playing video games. 
they'd be like, no, what? Shut up. It's or like and online, like just online, like not even competing, like just people watching them because they like them. And like the like YouTube videos of like people reviewing shit. Like you didn't even create it. You're literally just talking over it. And people love that. Like they love that shit. I'll, I'll take it even further, like movie reviews. Like I used to watch like uh, movie reviews a lot. Like it's, there are so many things because I think people like commentary on shit. I really do. Like people watch reaction videos. Like it's, you know, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of things have uh, changed. You know, it's it's not um, the radio TV world anymore. It's, it's a, like the cell phone podcasting, uh, you know, social media around now. It's, it's, it's just... It, we, we just took the water and put it in a different bucket, you know, so to speak. And I think that podcasting, you know, what you said uh, to go back to the deal that Joe Rogan hit, I, I think what he did was dope because, you know, I, I respect Joe Rogan. I think people like, you know, like, in the, like love him, hate him. Like, you know, this, I disagree maybe with certain things he does say at points, but I, I do think though, for the most part, like he's a really solid guy. And like, I do think that him doing that, getting that deal, it's it's just a it's a better avenue for people to build up and it's it's like okay i can build this business and i can sell it and that's really awesome you know what i mean like and if you can even manage a way to retain some ownership of that as well as you know get the you know get a good contract from spotify for x amount of millions or billions however it may be i think that's a w and um you know i really feel like that that them dishing out those deals it's uh, it's motivating too from i feel like it should be motivating not even just for podcasters any kind of creators i'm like authors uh video game developers or uh, any any of that because i feel like the more the the more that that this is kind of a weird thought the more that cars get automated right the more that cars can drive themselves i feel like people are gonna like literally be playing video games in their car while their car drives them across the country I feel like people are going to like set up arcades and like the, I, I just have like this feeling like just with the way automation is going, I, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, it really wouldn't like if that, if that happened. So I think that like every Avenue, like that every Avenue available currently, it's just, it's a room for growth because there's no time limit on a podcast. If we wanted to theoretically, we could just sit here for 10 hours and stream like we could do this for a month. We could do a month. We're not, but we could do a month long stream. And like, we could just talk to each other and that is entertainment and you could monetize that. And it's, it's a whole different ballpark we're working with than um, the world our parents grew up in. It's completely different. Like, it, like our parents, like I, I talked to my mom and dad and they can't really believe like half the shit that's going on nowadays, as far as technology or whatever. So, so have you forth, like, so have you be it. I mean, you know, and so forth. It's, it's really a blessing. You know, I got to say that for first and foremost, it's all a blessing, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could do a, a, a month po- uh, podcast and a month stream, but I'm not sure how many people would actually watch it. I think at some point you and I would get sick of one another. We'd just be like, I got to speak to somebody else. Or I just need five minutes alone. Like, do I, do I have to carry you around? Like I'd have to carry around the laptop. It's going to be impossible for me. Cause I've got the mic as well. Like it's already plugged in. So like, I'm just going to be sitting here. I'm going to get fat. Like I'm going to have to have someone bring in the food. Like it's going to be awful. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. Like, but like, that's the thing. Like, but I, what's crazy is like, though we could like, it, that's like the funny thing is it's like, we like, we have, 
like hit this new new world where like we literally have so much creative freedom and i think that's that's why like um things have been changing i feel like things uh change when when people really want them to change and i think that music is is also gonna start leaning more towards creativity i think it is i do think that um as much as i dislike the grammys i feel like the nominations they picked i think it's a lot more relative to like really uh creative writing and everything and i appreciate that you know even though i disagree with the grammys etc i i do feel like i do feel like the mainstream always changes with the underground a little bit like the mainstream system is always going to be like taking shit from the underground music world or whatever so i don't know i feel like things are, are definitely changing i feel like people since you know shows are, are opening up people are going to be able to perform i don't i think people are craving like music in a different way i think beforehand people weren't as appreciative of live music or whatever now we're at a point where people are are craving it, just need it in their life and are waiting i mean i'm living in la i think there's a bunch of shows going on today so things are opening up things are opening up and um i, I think it's a beautiful time to be alive i think post-covid this is the the renaissance right here whenever like there's any like crazy plague or sickness there is a renaissance so i think we're living through a current renaissance we're a part of that shit yeah, well, they they're expecting something like the Roaring Twenties in the in the nineteen twenties after World War One. They're expecting a similar kind of economic uplift where people are relieved and people just want to live their lives. And I think everyone is almost counting their blessings and looking at their lives, going, "Ah, oh, there's so much to enjoy. Like there is so much to be thankful for, and there's so much more to be done rather than just working the nine to five rather than just doing the the same old grind. And I've had this opinion for a while, but I feel like the one thing that can never be automized is human creativity. And that is to me where the the future lies is just creativity. And that is where we see, you know, artists in every way, shape and form. Like you said, cars are going to be able to drive themselves at some point. That means humans don't have to drive. Yeah, the same thing is going to happen with just anything roadworks machinery like that all essentially is to make sure that humans can't do their jobs anymore but the the way out of that is to find your creative outlet and that can look in multiple different ways like you can still be in construction but i guess you just got to find a way to to have that creativity because otherwise like we saw manufacturing used to be a really good job like it used to be very stable and now it's not stable at all because you can be automized and it's more efficient and we've gone into a you know economic and political rant but uh, yeah i think that the more we encourage creativity the more we encourage people to explore their own creativity and what they bring to the table the better we'll we'll all be no dude, i i love no I, I completely agree with you I, I love it because what you you said too is very I, I agree with them, especially the, the part where you said um, just about like manufacturing, like like as someone who, who even like worked personally, like at like a was like a window man, window and door manufacturing facility in Oregon. Dude, like it, it's it's some tough work, but I and I know you're aware yourself. It, it's like I, I do think, though, like when automation does take place, there is going to be some there is going to be some negativity. Yes, people will be out of work. But if we are able to, to figure out things as far as like economics and all that, like I'm not saying I can, I'm not that guy, 
But, um, you know, regarding all of that. I- to be honest, I don't think this is the forum for us to be like, let's workshop these ideas. All right. No, no but I, I, no, I'm not. Joe really Biden, listen up. The creativity, <laughs> but I, I was just talking about the creativity. Yeah. I do think that humans are going to, I think there's going to be a philosophical change. I do think that there is going to be a major philosophical change worldwide and specifically in the United States and uh, like anywhere. And I would say Australia, Europe, like a lot of yeah, major, I think Western a lot countries of major, in general. Yeah. Western countries. Thank you, my friend. Like you, that's what I mean. Like you're, you're helping me out here. You're helping me find the words and shit I need <laughs> to find like in Western countries. Yeah. I do think that there is going to be a philosophical change where we're going to become a little bit less career oriented. Like I need a career career. And I think we're going to become a lot more communal. I think I think becoming more communal would be a big benefit and being more creative in a lot of ways. And also maintaining, yeah, practicality, practical skills, you know, building, et cetera. Sure. We, we don't want to we don't want to lose that ability. But I think people could take their craftsman skills, their carpentry skills, their plumbing skills, and then they could build something they want. They could build their own home. They'll be able to build. Maybe they could build specialty houses and sell those. Because at the end of the day, I think that a human's touch, even like it's always going to be acquired. I think I think rich people, I think uh, people who appreciate craftsmanship are always going to appreciate someone who can make great furniture, make a good knife, make a you know, whatever, make a good song, make a good movie, make a great podcast like yourself. Like it's, 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 it's all a craft, you know? And I think that the more things change, I think people are going to like kind of loosen up on themselves. I don't know how to put it, like just loosen up on themselves and not be so uh, constrictive because I'm not a political person. I wouldn't call myself outright a political person. Um, but I, I think I'm definitely, you know, I try to, I like to think I'm for the people I'm for humanity, at least like thought, thought pattern wise and my like you know underdeveloped chimp brain i want to think that but um <laughs> really though idealistically i just want everyone to get along be happy you know not hurt each other and um you know that's what it's all about like that, that's really where i where i fall like as far as uh, that whole conversation but you know again like i i just i stand on this strong belief that i think i think music can change the world i do think art can change the world and it can change the way people think and perceive it so and that's the world. So our, our perception is our reality in a way. It's weird. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I think that art is so important. And I, I it, see, the funny thing is I never thought of myself as creative. I never did at school. That's crazy. I never thought because I was way better at like, like I was pretty good at studying. Like I was pretty good. Like I was decently book smart. Like I remember like when I started high school, like, that stuff came pretty easy to me. Like it wasn't difficult. And then towards high, like the end when you're, you're doing your, you, we have it VC down here or, or year 12. Um, that's like, I think you're, you're senior. Um, but um, yeah, when you're starting to do those studies, like that's when it gets tough. But I like the thing, it's so weird in schools. They don't really foster that creativity the same way. I always thought art was literally drawing and I suck at drawing. Let me tell you like horrendous, like, and so I was like, obviously, I'm not creative. Obviously, I don't have that in me. But then I look back and I'm like, oh, but I did love drama. Like, I loved performing on stage. Like, talking was always my my creative outlet. And now the older that I get, the more journeys that I've been on. I did improv comedy as well. And then I was writing a TV show with a friend. And then I started the podcast. And I'm like, holy shit, I've been creative the whole time. The problem is the definition just 
didn't fit my type of creativity. And I think that everybody needs to find their creativity. Being creative and arty is not just drawing shit or being like, there's no one definition. You just got to find whatever it is that, that is interesting to you and, and makes you unique. Yeah, I think creativity, you put it, you, you put it in good, good terms. Like it's not just about being good, good at drawing, you know, because just because you're not good at drawing, you may not be an illustrator, but that doesn't mean you're, you're a bad author. And what you just said about having to write a TV show. Um, I don't know much about <clears throat> writing screenplays or anything like that, but I, I do think that having to juggle the dialogue of multiple characters um, is difficult. So like, what is, what is that like? I want to ask you, what is it like writing a TV show? Because I feel like that is a different endeavor comparatively to writing a book or writing a movie. Cause I think you have to have a better attention for detail. Like when you're doing a show like, like that, like how was that? Yeah. It's weird because like I started it uh, with my friend. Uh, he also has a podcast now. It's called funny and failure, uh, Michael Kahan. So he started a podcast where he interviews like comedians and actors and all that kind of stuff. So um, we actually were, were writing it for a couple of years and it's way harder than you think. Like it is the the amount of time we would spend just sitting there and it's different because it's not like, like I think of myself as like funny, but like out of the blue funny. Like I don't plan it. Like if I think of something funny, I'll say it. But having to sit down and write a sitcom and be like, okay, now I'm going to plan out the joke is so weird. And plan out the dialogue is so different. And then we would write way too much. And then you have to delete some some pages. You've got to get rid of pages. You're like, oh, a 30-minute screenplay uh, only goes for like 20 to, to 30 pages. And we had 60. So we've got to cut half that shit out. So you've got to be like really harsh with it. And then um, the other thing is like it's very difficult to get money behind it. Like that is the real challenge is to actually get someone to be like, all right, I'm willing to give you money to invest in making this a TV show. And we never got to that stage um we parted ways he's still working on doing that that's his ultimate dream to like be uh, a script like uh write screenplays and write tv shows and all that kind of stuff um i realized that it wasn't my passion that like it wasn't the thing that i wake up and i'm like hell yeah i'm motivated the podcast is something where i'm like hell yeah i'm motivated like i'm ready to go and i definitely have those days where i'm like oh god gotta edit today and I hate editing more than anything else in the world. But yeah, it was really interesting to go through. Um, it's just a lot of writing, a lot of looking at the dialogue. And it's just, you do your head in sometimes. You're just like, I cannot phrase this in the right way. I know what I'm trying to do and it's just not working. It's so frustrating. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful for it because it teaches you a lot about just the journey that people go on. It seems way easier than it is. Uh, I don't think, at least in my eyes, I don't think writing a TV show is easy. Like, man, like I, I, uh, I'll watch um, TV shows. Like, like a lot of the TV shows I love. Um, I recently saw this show called Lovecraft Country, and uh, it's a this uh, horror type show. And I, I love horror movies, whatever. But I think like the thing is about like the the show, like uh, what makes a good TV show. I think a lot of it is the characters. You know, I think that I think that you can put you can literally be in the most cool setting, the coolest premise or whatever. But if the characters aren't there, I feel like that that's what like really can make or break a show. 
And um, I have nothing but respect for like writing a movie, writing a screenplay, writing a book, because I've I've always wanted to, to work on a movie, like like sit down with somebody like, oh, like, let's do like a fun uh, stoner comedy or something like that. But like it does. I do think about like, wow, like it's a lot of writing a B like you've got to make sure everything has its own chemistry. And then like, let's say it, it, you get you get uh, everything set up to shoot it. You got to make sure the actors gel. So it really is a wild thing. It's like you're putting together a puzzle. You really are. You're putting together a puzzle. So, yeah, I got nothing. I, I salute that. Like, dude, like writing. So the discipline to sit down and write for hours uh, on a on a TV show is definitely a tough. And I commend that because, I mean, I get frustrated working on like a five minute song, three minute song even. So it, it can like I lose my shit. So it's like. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, the TV world is so different, and I know, like it, it's definitely, like you probably have some awesome stories to tell me. Like there, there's probably like a lot of shit that goes into it that I don't know about. So, yeah. To be honest, not not much because it was just us two just sitting, just talking about it all the time. Like it just gets very heady. Like you're just like going, oh, we got to figure out what the plot is going to be and what each character does. Like the weird thing is, like you invent characters. But at the end of the day, it's like still just in my own head. And I've got to figure out how different characters speak and how different characters interact with one another. And it's just, it's just so strange. And the other thing is it's very hard to get the money to do it. And the amount that you need for budget-wise is huge. That's why podcasting is better because your budget can be zero and you can do it. Like I know you do it on Anchor. I do it on Anchor. Like it doesn't cost you to stream it. Like it just costs you time, but it doesn't actually cost you that much financially to just get in. Yes. It will cost you more money. If you want to get microphones. Yes. It costs you more money. If you want to build a studio. Yes. It costs you more money. If you want to like start to level up professionally, it always does, but the entry is way easier. Like no one has to bankroll you to, to actually get in the industry. But if you want to make it as a like writing screenplays, you got to have someone who's ready to be like, all right, let's make your show. I'm willing to pay you for it. And until that happens, it's really difficult. Well, yeah. And, and I think too, like I could even relate that to music. I, I think that anyone can start making music and really, you know, to me, it's about falling in love with the process. I know the homie Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks about the process a lot, like falling in love with the process is everything. You know, it's, it's the reason that you, you know, we talked about starting. Starting is everything. It's great that people start. I just want people to, you know, start, just do something you love. And I think I could even correlate what you said to music because, yeah, like to start making music, you really don't need equipment, especially like nowadays. Like if you have a phone, you can download an app and record music. That's pretty awesome. I think I saw an interview with Madlib. Madlib said that he makes beats on his iPad. Like this is Madlib. So it, it, I think that there's so much more room, like for, um, just development now which is dope and i think too in the podcasting world like yeah like to level up like like it's taken me some years i'm fine after years i'm gonna be finally recording in a podcast studio after years but um i think like what i'm grateful for though is like you know like the fact that i can you know i have these podcasts that i've done where i've been in my car like you know what i mean i think like that's like i'm always gonna like love those memories and shit because like that's like the grind like that's like the build-up and like that's uh that's that's the, the authenticity i want to bring like you know i wanted to like let people know like hey 
I'm not always going to be in the most professional settings because I'm on the move at points, but it is what it is. You know, you're going to love me or hate me for it, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm definitely getting better at finding my like setting and really like trying to make it work. But um, I, I do, I don't know. I'm all around just, I'm really just excited. Just to, I feel like there's a, a big change coming. Um, I got this mixtape uh, into the Hayes act uh, three and it's a part of this, uh, this series of projects I've released where when I first got back into music in 2017, I released this uh, mixtape, my demo kind of tape mixtape titled The Misadventures of Mr. Misunderstood. In the last year, I dropped Heart Into the Soil, which is a continuation of that somewhat. And now with this next mixtape, this is pretty much the final uh, chapter of that, of that series. And I'm, I'm very happy to put it into it. Uh, not because I was I'm anxious to end it, but because I've I've really uh, made a lot of great music through the, these themes. I'm very excited to release the mixtape too because I think I got a lot of a lot more upbeat music. I'm not gonna lie, I made some I made a lot more bangers. Not to say I didn't have that before. You can go listen to my old. I have that shit, but mainly, um, you know, I, I feel like I uh, took I did some experimental stuff on this project. I uh, did some things people wouldn't expect me to do. And I'm just excited to have it out. Um, and uh, I want to give a shout out to the people who worked with me, Young Lit Hippie, uh, Mubarak, um, Tim Rodriguez, um, the producers on it. I'm very thankful just for the whole experience, you know. And, and it's, it's a project where it has some songs I was originally going to use for uh, the last album I did. So I have songs I was planning on putting on my, my deluxe version or the standard edition. So um I don't know. It's, it's definitely a mix of uh, some newer stuff I've recorded since I've been in Los Angeles, some stuff I recorded before I left to Los Angeles. And uh, I'm very excited. And uh, I will have uh, that new studio set up very soon for the podcast. So I think it's, it's a good change. And, um, and if, and very soon I should be getting a couple videos out within the month. So, um, you know, I'm trying my best and everything like it's, it's definitely been a little bit of a whirlwind, but I'm very thankful for the music I have. Like, and plus, I'm gonna be completely honest. Like, after doing the album, like, and like learning how to release music for retail, and I love doing that. I really wanted to kind of just go back to my old ways, like just being a kid, getting a beat, and just doing this, and just making some music, and just putting it out for free, and just whatever, just feeling whatever about it. Like, I just wanted to make some good music and put it out. And um, I'm excited for people to hear it. I'm going to have it on Dapif, SoundCloud, my YouTube. You know, I'm not going to be putting it out on uh, any major retail uh, outlets because there's a lot of sampling on it. So that's not going to happen. I'll get the shit suit out of me. So, um, yeah, there, yeah, it's a it's a great project, though. I had a lot of fucking fun recording it. And, uh, you know, Into the Haze Act 3 will be out July 7th. And uh, so the people who catch this, you know, please go check it out. But um I'm not trying to converge too far off that, but I definitely want to talk about some music and stuff um, since I've been like, I've definitely been writing a lot, creating a lot. And um, I, I don't know, I'm kind of on this, uh, this weird kick where I've, uh, I got a few projects in the vault and uh, I plan on releasing them throughout the year. Just uh, some mini, like little side projects, I call them like little appetizers and uh, just to prep people for the album next year, eye for an eye. So um yeah, a lot of a lot of things I just said. It's a lot to pick up, but uh, I'm I got a lot of music coming, and I'm very anxious about it. Like I'm very anxious about releasing music, and like to the point where I just want to throw it out there. 
but um, I need to be better about promoting it. And like, literally, this is like the first time I think I've ever promoted a project like properly. So yeah, you know what I mean? I, I do. Um, Yeah, no, make sure to check that shit out. I got some hitters on there. I got ETA leagues. I got some hitters. So fuck yeah. You know, I, I think I think you'll fuck with it. man. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to hear it. Don't worry. We're not going to tell anybody that you, you took some samples from songs you shouldn't have. I won't tell anyone. They're obvious samples. Worry, like, it's like, <laughs> you're the man. I appreciate you. Hey, I know you wouldn't sell me out. I know you wouldn't sell me out. I know, I know, I know, like, uh, I know copyrights and lawyers, they'll sell me out real quick. So, well, I was going to, I was going to ask you, or don't say too much. I actually have a law degree. Uh, I, I went to uni and I, and I did a, a law of commerce. Oh, my but, man, um, I'll call you. I'm going to call yeah. you when I'm in a snag, bro. <laughs> never call me for legal advice. Let me make that abundantly clear. No one should ever ask me about my legal advice. Yeah, uh, t- to be honest, I'll be sitting right next to you in prison if that happens. Oh, God. If you ask me for legal advice. <laughs> I'm going to be like, bro, all I know is get a proper lawyer. Don't Don't come to me. Because I went to law school, but I did no legal work whatsoever. So, um, but but I was gonna, but I was gonna ask you, like, how do you feel about sampling? Like, because sampling is this weird thing, and there are there are actually a lot of samples out there where like they've made songs way better, but then they can't release it because the sample is not cleared. They haven't got the rights, even though the song is like a thousand times better with the correct sample. Yeah, you know what? Thank you for bringing that up, man. Like, because, you know, there's this great documentary I watched and uh, it it really explored both sides of it. Like, and, you know, for me, listen, I'm always going to stick to the side of, you know, hip hop was created off sampling. You know, it was it it really was based off that just taking a a drum break, sampling that and then going from there. And then it it literally evolved to, to chopping samples, chopping soul samples and you have people like Ninth Wonder, you got um, people like Madlib, you know, Jay Dilla, who are incredible with NPCs. And yeah, then- Apollo Brown, DJ Premier, yes. the list goes on and on. Uh, Mixed Productions, who I interviewed as well, just as a shout out for another interview that I've, <laughs> I've got. But, but yeah, literally sampling is how every beat gets made because it's not someone sitting in a studio playing the drums it's a it's a drum it's a drum sample that you're getting it's like a hi-hat sample it's a trumpet sample it's not someone who goes into the studio with you and plays the trumpet yeah and and it's funny because i feel like it's like sampling like yeah like sampling a a a drum sound like it's weird because it's like there's these new categories of uh sampling because like like it's like there is multi uh multiple like levels to it yeah because then you have, you have the sampling a kick versus sampling a drum loop right and then you have uh sampling a guitar sound versus sampling a guitar loop and then like so what like th- there's this weird area where i think i don't know i feel like there was um there was a time where i feel like production like could i feel like hip-hop production it, it, it's a balance. I feel like samples are super awesome and I, I think it's core and fundamental, but I do think that there is something to say about people like the roots who um, I'm not saying they don't use samples. They do at points, but I like what they do with uh, their live instrumentation. I like the fact that they have a band. I really love that shit. And I think that that could, that could definitely be implemented more. And I've talked to my girlfriend about this. I've said, you know, I, 
when I do my next album, I want to do it majority with a live band because I want to bring more of that in. But I'm not going to lie, like at points, um, I, I think there's a, I, I, I know you're familiar with Voice to Five Nine, but the, on the Prime project, since you brought up DJ Premier, I'm going to go off this. What they did, I thought they did something incredibly creative where um, Adrian Young, Adrian Young, is, you, you already know this, but to the people, the mu- he's a musician who went to DJ Premier and he said, hey, I made all the, these songs. These are, this is original music, but I want to give this to you for you to sample. So he made a bunch of original awesome music for DJ Premier to sample it j- just so it was like free of copyright issues. And of course, he would get his share. But um, and from there, we have one of the greatest somehow like I want to call it like it's pseudo sampled, but also live music. It's weird. I really think that there are so many techniques to sampling and there are so many techniques to musician to, to musicianship and as a whole where it, it really is anybody's game now. I really feel like anyone can do anything. You can play with the sound. You can reverse it. Um, you could sample a trombone off of, a, you know, a Chet Hayes. Uh, not Chet Hayes, a Chet, uh, a Chet Baker record. You could really do whatever you want in this day and age. But as far as sampling goes, um, on like the legal spectrum, I, I do think that, you know, people who, who want to sue like up and coming hip hop artists for sampling like uh, in like a Smokey Robinson song or any, you know, like great soul record. I feel like suing up and coming artists, like I feel like that's petty because in reality, I feel like hip hop artists, they, they keep these older records alive when they sample them because then the next generation will get to get to hear that song. And then they're like, oh, I like that sample. Who did they sample? They go on Wikipedia. Oh, they sampled, um, you know, they sampled the OJs. Let's go listen to OJs. Like it, it really is like that simple. So I and I do see like from the other ends, you know, like Marvin Gaye's estate. When they're uh, when they sued Robin Thicke and for Robin Thicke and Pharrell, I see where they're coming from. So I think with sampling, there are a lot of ways to look at it. But um, I'm always gonna like stand on the fact that hip hop is built off people being creative, having to be um, having to be resilient, and it's based off sampling. It's based off sampling uh, drum loops, drum breaks, and building off of that. And then it's, then it then it evolves, and. Like I said, I don't really have any mixed feelings on it. I think sampling is awesome. And, you know, the, the, the only issues I have is like, I have a lot of really dope songs that have samples um, on this mixtape. And like, would it be cool to sell them online? Maybe it would be. But for me, I just, I'm just happy to fucking have the music sound how I want to sound, how I wanted it to sound with the samples. And that's, that's more so what it's about with me. And if you want to go listen to my album, I did a great job making sure everything was cleared. And a lot of that stuff is just original music. So I do think that there is an element of, you know, balancing being a raw musician who can play instruments and and also being a producer who can sample sounds and, and do X, Y, and Z. I, th- I think both realms are super important. And um, I know this is a ramp. I'm really passionate about sampling. I really, I'm, I got, I had to like, because there are so many ways to look at it. Like there are so many ways to look at sampling. Like it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I'm going to throw my, my two cents in uh, on, on sampling. So I'm also, I'm like, if you haven't heard before, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of a soul sample. Like I love those samples and I'm, 
I do love sampling as a concept. I definitely, however, do believe that if you're going to sample a song, the artist who you sample deserves a portion of the royalties, especially because a lot of the songs that are sampled, like I look at, you know, 70s soul music. In that era, soul music isn't mainstream. They're not making that much money off those songs. And then you take that song, you put it, and you make it mainstream. They made that song so that you could make yours, and so they deserve a kickback. I have a real problem when people steal, and that's the difference. It's different when it's sampled. You make sure they get theirs. You give them the credit that is deserved versus you take a song, you don't give them credit, you don't put it anywhere so anyone can find the original track and they get nothing for you using the song. That's where I have a problem with it. And there is a definitely a fine line. And it's the same with artists. Like if you're going to steal someone's lyrics, it's the same thing. It's the same as stealing a beat. It's the same as stealing, you know, a hook, the same as stealing a sample. Like you, it's just a really gray area. And it's, it's really difficult because as you said, if you're an upcoming artist, you don't have access to these dope beats. You just don't because you've got to pay for them. And you've got to pay for, for the rights. So it is a challenge, but the I think the important part is to look after the people who made the original music that, you know, wouldn't have got any credit for it. Like hip hop brings so many artists to the forefront where you're like, holy shit, that sample is amazing. Let me go check out that track. And I've got a playlist on my Spotify about just songs that were sampled in the and then were used in a hip hop track. And they're completely different, but it's like, cool to just go back and go now i can see where they chopped it up and it's good to appreciate the music that came first rather than just the hip-hop track so there is definitely a fine line between it and i understand both sides but as long as everyone is looked after that's the important part you just don't want anyone getting screwed oh yeah no most definitely like if if i were to like sample like donna summers like for like um like the intro of my album like or like sample like um you know, James Brown, anybody like sample anyone um, who like came before me, I would definitely I definitely want them to receive a piece of that song because I mean, again, I got to sleep at night myself. And like I've been able to at least like when it comes to putting out my music, I've been able to avoid beats that have like samples, thankfully, like uh, um, so I've, I've been very thankful there working with great producers. But I do agree with you, because, again, like if I were um, like, for instance, if I'm David Ruffin, if I'm David Ruffin and someone samples my shit and they make a hit out of it, I, I want my percentage. I get it. I, I definitely feel like all the well, GR, yeah, exactly. Like you, you earned it. Yeah, like you they without that it. sample, that song is not the same. Like that's it. You can say that, okay, they made made you big, whatever. It doesn't matter. They may have put me into the mainstream, but without my sample, they don't have that song. And, they, and it doesn't matter, even if it's like whatever the percentage is, I'm not saying give them 50% because you obviously had to make a lot of it, but there is definitely a cut that is that you deserve as part of making the song that essentially built the beat. Definitely. Yeah, I know. Like they provided the base foundation. Like for instance, uh, I can't remember the, the sample, but that one song, Power Trip by J. Cole, like you take out that, you take out that one sound it changes it completely. You know, it, it, it's not the same at all because it's that sample. It's that awesome horn sample. 
And I, and from what I know, like if it is placed on a big record label, like major label album, like a J Cole album, like I'm pretty sure like he's going to be getting a check. And if he does, and if he doesn't, that's, that's on the label and that's their fault. And they got to make sure they pay that. They need, they need to pay that artist who uh, J Cole sampled that horn sample, because I don't know I did. There are certain samples I, I could think of off top, um, like records, like uh, by Gangstar. Again, DJ Premier, DJ Premier is the greatest ever. Like he, um, mass appeal. If that, if that mass appeal sample wasn't on that song, it's not the same. It, it really, it, it changes the foundation of hip hop entirely. So I, I definitely agree. And I do think that people should be compensated. You know, the, the gray area does come down to like what percentage should they be compensated? But that's always, again, you know, you went to, you, you did some, you know, you did some legal uh, stuff. So you already know, like that, that comes down to the lawyers and shit. So, and contracts and, and then what percentage? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a crazy thing. It's super complicated. It's super complicated. But I think the, the thing is they don't, and I think this is me speculating. This is me just guessing just based on, I bought, the rights to the intro that I have in in the the hip hop hustle podcast. So that music, I actually purchased the rights to use that music. So if you think I came out with it myself, I didn't. I purchased those rights, but I think that's what they do. So they don't give them royalties. They purchase the rights to use the song for whatever that costs. So for example, if I purchase that at let's say let's call it twelve hundred bucks, but I make one point two million, they don't get anything because i purchased the rights to do whatever i like with it does that make sense so i think that's how it works and whatever the maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm completely off someone can correct me and and teach us something but yeah, that the is back like the kickback money like after it's kind of like yeah you know it's like you know it's like uh, you know you show it's like fight money you know what i mean like when floyd mayweather makes money off pay-per-views after the fight it's like that you know like yeah so i don't know how that works on the back end but i know that that's how they do it they purchase the rights so if you want to use like a frank sinatra track you got to buy the rights and you got it but it's ex- hella expensive like it is so expensive it's not affordable so and that's that's why there are tracks that don't use frank sinatra because he is one of the greatest but you can't buy the rights it's too expensive so there are all these things that go into it but i think it it leads into the to the last question that i have and the only question that i plan on the podcast really well i think we manage this kind of detour look at us being very professional Um, i'm outside look for a change i got a professional setting (laughs) i got it um well my only planned question and it's the hardest question you'll ever get on the podcast is if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once cannot be your own doesn't have to be hip-hop what would it be wow that my friend I love that question. Thank you so much. Um, one album, you know what? I got to shout this album out. Um, I'm, you're going to be surprised. Uh, this is an album. Um, I, I've stumbled upon this album on YouTube. And the song that brought me to it was the song called Looking For You. But I would say the album is self-titled and uh, it's called Nino Ferrer and Radia, I believe is her name. And on the cover, it's a, like a, it's this Frenchman and this beautiful, uh, this beautiful naked black woman on the cover. And uh, I, I recommend that album because uh, I remember I stumbled upon it and it just, the vibe of it, you know what I mean? Like the vibe of it, um, something about it. Like it was just like one of those projects like that just like the music was just so well composed. 
Um, I, I actually sampled the one of the songs off of it. I have it in my computer. I, I know I might put it on like a mixtape or some shit down the line or release it. But um, I don't know. Like it really just I love the chord progressions on the on that album. Um, I love uh, the, the the songs like the Hotty Toddy record, Looking for You. Um, I really like their chemistry on the project. And as far as like one album I'd recommend, I would recommend that because it's also an album um, people wouldn't expect me to say. It's I'm kind of pulling a little bit of a hipster move, but uh, no, I, I would definitely <laughs> say that album because like, it's just it's a different sounding project. And what's interesting is that that Nino Ferrer, he's French. And I think that's one of his that's his only um, one of his only projects in English. So you can also find French versions of, of the album and like the songs, I believe. So that, that's why it's like a, it's an interesting project to me. You know, there we go. Bang. It is uh, the, the first of, of like a French artist that we've had on the podcast. Maybe we'll have to get a French artist to, to do an interview as well. Uh, but uh, another a song that I recently got into was a DJ premiere and Soulcast song that one of my friends showed me. Um, I'll, I'll try. I uh, can't be bothered finding it, but definitely Google DJ premiere Soulcast. You have no idea what the hell Soulcast is talking about because it's like a majority French, but the vibe is sick. The beat is sick. So definitely check that out. And uh, I appreciate you, you, Chase, coming on the show. I appreciate you you're speaking to me. I think this is second time in, in two in two weeks that we've spoken. So this, this might become more of a, a regular thing, but definitely check him out on Spotify, Chase Talks Pod talks hip hop podcast um on spotify itunes it's all there uh make sure to follow him on ig as well he's an artist so make sure you check out his music as we heard uh plenty of music dropping um there will be a ton of content and uh please like subscribe all this stuff as well uh one of the people who uh kind of leads the way for for hip hop podcasting four years in the game 200 plus episodes uh you know what can i say there's that kind of speaks for itself hey hey thank you brother like i said uh, that that means a lot and uh now i appreciate you having me on letting me ramble and shit like again like if you <laughs> like i love it man i love it because like i uh, i love these platforms because i really get to fix this go into my ideas and uh break them down how i want to and um, I love your platform. I, I, I wish you the best. I love what you're doing. And I think that you're, like I said, you're on a great track. You're streaming. You have an awesome professional setting. And I'm, I'm thankful, dude. Like, this is one in the books for me. I only have, uh, to my knowledge, I only have, I've only been a guest on one other person's podcast. And that's the homie who is VGT3. And you kind of look like him a little bit. So it's, it's kind of awesome. You guys both got awesome beards. So uh, I think that that's been a correlation. You know, I've been like, so um, yeah, but I just want to say thank you to everybody listening, watching. I appreciate it all. Um, I got my album Heart Into the Soil. It is out as well. Please go check it out. I have the deluxe edition on my YouTube and SoundCloud. Uh, Into the Haze will be dropping July 7th. I have a music video out now with Triz. Go to my website, chasehill.net, um, all of the above. And always, and please go and uh, listen to the hip hop hustle from top to bottom. I really love the podcast and I'm very appreciative to be on it. And like I said, just keep on rocking in the free world. Thank you, Aaron. I, I really appreciate it, brother. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for all upcoming podcast news. Bye for now.